It is Friday, right? Goodness, I woke up this morning. It was cold. I didn't check the weather this morning. It was a bad mistake. How has your week been this week, everybody? Good, bad? You just said good out of subconscious thought. How has your week been? Bad. Thank you for being honest. Someone's, at least someone's honest. Can I just ask one thing of you in here? I really like honesty, okay? And sometimes honesty uh, is what we do not like to state. Um, as I just have spent more time in getting to know some of you, I sat in the calf many times, and let me just tell you something. I like the food in the calf, okay? All right? I like it. That's an, that's an amen, okay? Amen. I said, I, don't tell my wife. I, sometimes I eat better at the calf. Amen, right? I cook at home, by the way. I'm the cook. I brought my wife a crock pot, and I use it for Christmas. All right, don't take notes from me, but I am the cook now at home, and I am a good cook. But as I sit in the calf and I, I look around, I know where everyone sits at. I haven't memorized where everyone sits at. You have your spots. And I feel like I want to go up there one time just, it would be so awkward for me as you're talking amidst conversation, just grab a chair and pull up. Wouldn't that be awkward? Because all of a sudden your conversation would change and you'd be awkward. I'd make it awkward. You'd make it awkward. And then, right? I may do that to you. So pay attention. If you're sitting by yourself, I will sit by you, okay? But I see people sometimes sitting by themselves, and I think it's good to be alone. It's great to be comfortable with yourself and to have some me time. But others of you, I often think, okay, why are you sitting alone? Well, is it because you're jamming out some good music and eating? Great. But why do you sit alone? Really, have you ever, has anyone ever sat alone before? Isn't that the best feeling ever? Yeah. You're like, you sit alone, you have your tray, and then you sit down, and then you're like, wow, now everyone's looking directly at me. Yeah? Have you ever invited somebody while you're seated alone? You know, I, I just think here at Sterling, I think we have so much more in common than we do what distinguishes us apart. And loneliness is a big battle, right? Anyone ever been lonely in here? We all have. Why? Because we're human. Let me just tell you, you can be the most loneliest person in the room, but yet be crowded and surrounded by people around you. Here in Mark chapter 5, we're going to be looking at a text in Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 43. I've titled this message this morning, Do You Feel Not Invincible, Invisible? Do you feel invisible? What about in your classroom setting? Do you feel like no one pays attention to you when you have an answer? Or when you, or you try to speak to somebody, do you feel ignored? What about your coaches? Do you feel ignored by your coaches or your staff or your faculty here? How have you enjoyed your time here amongst your friends? Because if you're look, looking at loneliness, especially if you're single, who's all dating somebody in here? Okay. Anyone single in here? Raise your hand, singles. Okay, I get, I get a commission fee after chapel. Y'all look around. Okay. So being, let me tell you, singles, can I look at you? Can you, those who are, who are single, I want your attention. It is hard to be single in college when there's so much events to go to with couples. So you got to get a group of your friends to go together, okay? Don't go alone. So loneliness is difficult, especially when you feel like you're invisible, Back in my day, I used to play basketball. You know what, um, where I played at? No, I wasn't started, but 
I was sitting right here at the bench, and when coach wanted to put somebody in, you, you know what I would do? I didn't want to play. I liked watching. I would kind of scoot back. I didn't want to play, you know. I, I said, nah. So I was trying to hide on purpose. But sometimes we're like that in our lives that we, we shrink back, we shy away because of insecurity, because of who we think we are, because of others' judgments on us. And we feel lonely and in, in isolation. In Mark chapter 5, there's a story of, of Jairus and his daughter, and there's a, another story of a woman that has no name. She has no identity. So if you're going right now, if you're, if you're in the season of suffering, if you're in the struggle right now and you're just like, I, I want spring break and I'm done. If you're a sen senior in here, you have senioritis, you had enough last year, you're ready to get out, you're tired of it, you need to be encouraged this morning. This message is for you. If you don't want to be encouraged, this message is not for you, but I like encouragement. Who likes encouragement? Say amen if you like encouragement. Amen? I don't like bad news sometimes. The only bad news I get sometimes when I'm at home when I have to change a diaper and that is, I don't have a PhD in that. But I want to read something to you. As we change into our passage. Remember, we're looking at, do you feel invisible? Do you feel hopeless? Do you feel like you're suffering? And if you were in Dr. Baylor's class um, this past week, I read this to you. But if you weren't, this is new to you. And maybe this is something you can relate to. If you're human, you certainly have maybe thought of it. You know, I didn't think I'd make, this, I'd make it this long after she passed. No matter what I tried, a suicide was the only path that wasn't blurry. I was able to turn from my thoughts until I wasn't. On the drive home one night from a year ago, I started to drift off in my thoughts. I was prepared to drive off the road and hit a tree. I don't know what it was, but something snapped me back. I had already unbuckled my seatbelt and was going nearly 100 miles per hour. I don't remember unbuckling, don't remember speeding like that. But I freaked out and pulled over and had a good old breakdown. This is what finally pushed me to go into therapy. It helped me a lot. Look, I, wa I want to dig into your mind if that's okay. I want the word of God to pierce our hearts because we're human, we suffer, and we need encouragement. If you're like me, you need encouragement every second because our biggest enemy is the one within. It's the mind. The, the mind plays warfare. The mind goes and it, it tricks you, especially for those of you who are in athletics, right? Whenever you're on the court or up the bats, you, you overthink it, right? Especially on the free throw. I was at the Tabor uh, women's basketball game a few weeks back. I could not believe the student section for Tabor. One guy had a banana suit on. One guy didn't have a shirt on. I said, that's rated R. I should have canceled him that day, right? But they were screaming, and I couldn't take it. I said, well, but free throw after free throw in there. The noise was all around her, and she would just make them. See, this is what the world is like. The world is screaming at you. The world is shouting, you are nobody, you're just another number, you're just another person here to get a degree. You don't fit in, you don't fit in your group, you don't fit on the team. 
But here in Mark chapter 5, Jesus says something to the forgotten person, the refugee, the outcast. He thinks the people that we judge, he loves them. Have you ever been into an area or a church and judge somebody when they walk in the class? You know when you're, you have class and you see someone walking in, do you judge them? No, because you, you're not like me. You don't judge them. But when you're at church, let me tell you something about church. Sometimes, I love church, by the way. I go to church every Sunday and Wednesday, every time the doors open, because I teach, so I have to go. But at church sometimes, I hope you have not felt this way. Many, many times when I was early on moving from California in 2020 to Hutch, I was looking at churches, and it was the first time in my life where I can just go and be me. I didn't have to prepare anything, just be a church attender. I'd go in sometimes, and people wouldn't speak to me. I said, whoa. I thought that was a church. Granted, I came in late because I have kids. So maybe that was a justification. But sometimes even at church, you do feel sometimes alone. I hope you've been able to plug into a good church. But church organizations, we're filled with broken people saved by grace through faith. And I want, I want to get to the core of this matter here. If you read with me in Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. I'm going to just break these up into three Units. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 23. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. There came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet, the feet of Jesus, and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And there was a crowd following him and was pushing or was around him. These first few verses, we see Jarius. Who's Jarius? He would have been a, someone who's known. So when, when you think of someone who's popular here at Sterling, they're well known, okay? Jarius was a ruler of the synagogue, one of the leaders there, well known in Galilee. And so Jesus had crossed back on the side of Galilee after he had performed numerous miracles and he had a mass following. So imagine Jesus raising people from the dead, casting out demons, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind. This man, Jesus, calling out his disciples, and a massive crowd followed him. They liked what he was doing. They were interested in what he was doing. And as he was walking, Jarius, they knew about him. People know about you here at Sterling. You're well known. They know your reputation, but sometimes they know you too well. But Jarius... They heard Jesus coming. And his daughter, which was, she was 12 years old, she was dying. Who has a little sister in here? Anybody? All right. Jerry's only daughter, age 12, she was passing. And a ruler falls down at the feet of Jesus saying, please, my daughter's dying. Can you come save her? What did Jesus do? Nah, I'm good. I've got too much. I'm, I, I'm focused here. I don't have time for you. No, it says, he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and pushed him. Anyone ever went Black Friday shopping? No? There's nothing good there, right? But imagine you being in the place, and you're squished to death, okay? Imagine that with me. And you're trying to walk through. You have to hold someone's hand to get by. So imagine Jesus and his disciples and Jairus walking through the crowd, Getting by. But there's an interruption here in the story. 
You'll see in verse 24 through 34 with me if you read along. It says here in verse 34. Actually, I'm skipping too much. Let's go verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, and she heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd, touched his garment, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the blood, the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said, you see the crowds pressing around you? Yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed over your disease. We see Darius, Jairus walking here and this woman she doesn't have a name. She's a person who's been outcasted by her friends and family, left alone, not invited to birthdays, not invited to games. She can't even be a part of the synagogue. She was ceremonially unclean, according to Leviticus 15. She was unclean, so if you touched her, you became unclean. She was a nobody, no name, with the disease. Have you ever felt like that? where you felt like your family had pushed you away, your friends have pushed you away, and you were in that deep, deep, dark hole where you thought, I don't know what to do next. And that's a scary, scary realm to be in. But you see this woman, she had heard about Christ. And imagine this picture as she hears the reports on Christ. She has an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm actually going to go out into the city and I know people are going to judge me. They're already going to hate me. And anyone I come in contact will be unclean. But the crowds were pressing around Christ. And she says, if I can touch even the garments of Christ, I would be made well. Have you ever been broke before? Raise your hand. Yeah. She was broke, broke. Okay. Maybe some of you have some conditions physically or with your health that you've sought, off, sought after many doctors and physicians and quite frankly answers are uncertain. And she was there. She couldn't find answers. She didn't have any money. No one would speak to her. She didn't fit in. My last chance. I've heard about the reports of Jesus healing and she said, if I can just touch his garment, I would be made healed. She had courage. A nobody, a no name had courage. And imagine disciples and Jesus and them walking. Because remember here in verse 21, we see somebody before her, Jairus by name. They're walking. They're on the mission. She interrupts it all. She pushes and presses against the crowds and touches the garment of Christ. And it says immediately she was healed. And then Jesus said this. He already knew what had happened, but let me read this to you. In verse 30, and Jesus perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him. Who touched my garments? Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, but Jesus, you see everyone around you, Jesus. How, how, do, we, how do we know who's, who's touching us? He said, someone did. 
So when he looked around to see who had done it, right here, she enters back in. She's healed. She knows it. Jesus knows it. Jarius over here. What's up? Jesus, why, why are you stopping? My daughter's dying, Jesus. It's about me, not this woman. She's nasty. She's unclean. You know about her. She lives on the outer skirts of town. She's not supposed to be here. We've cast her out. She's unclean, Jesus. Look at her. It's about me. Come save my daughter. I teach in church, Jesus. My daughter, and I'm more important than her. She's a nobody. She looks down and she falls down at the feet of Jesus, trembling and afraid. Oh, in front of everyone has, you know, I remember when my spouse told me she was pregnant. Have, has, have you ever experienced a pregnant pause before? Do you know what I mean by a pregnant pause? I'm pregnant. And you have a big pause. Well, I cried one night um, two times. I cried when my spouse told me she was pregnant with Brielle and Aria. But a pregnant pause, it's a pause, right? Jesus looking down at this woman, the crowds looking angry. Jarius over here, he's salty, okay? She said, Jesus, I've heard about you. I don't have any money. I have a disease and I'm embarrassed about it. But I knew if I can just touch your garment, I would be healed. And I was healed. And you know what Jesus says to the person who had no name, unnamed woman? She said, daughter. He calls her daughter. He gives her identity. He says, your faith has made you well. She became physically healed. A spiritual healing occurred here. And that shows you the beauty that you think God does not know your suffering. He does. If you think God does not know your anxiety, he does. If you think God does not know your battle of depression, he does. If you think God does not know how you view your body, he does. God knows your heart. He knows what you're going through. He knows your suffering. He knows what's going on around the world. And yet he still knows he cares about us. And he cared about this woman who had no name. Now he says she is a daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, verse 35, while he was still speaking, there came from the rulers of the house some who said, your daughter is dead. Who are they talking about? Jairus' daughter. Why trouble the teacher? Why trouble Jesus any further? But overhearing, this is Jesus, what they had said. Jesus said to the ruler Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion of people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion of weeping? The child is not dead, but is sleeping. Here's the funny part. It says here, And they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. And I'll laugh at you. But he put them on the outside, took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went out, and he went in where the child was, and taking her by her hand, she says, he said, Talitha kumai, which means, little girl, I said, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. 
And he strictly charged them not to tell no one and give her something to eat. So you see this is a, like a sandwich story. Jerry is coming to Jesus. Hey, heal my daughter. She's dying. This woman touching Jesus' garment, she's healed. Jesus stops what he's doing. He calls her daughter. Jerry is salty. God is about me. You know what, Jesus? Let me tell you, my, my daughter's dead. Don't bother coming. Tell Jesus not to come. He's dead. So if you were Jarius and it was your little sister, it was your daughter, what would you say? Yeah. Jesus, we, we tried. At least we tried. The news that he had to bring to his, his spouse. Hey, we tried, honey. Uh, Jesus was coming, but some woman took his attention and healed her. I'm still mad at her. I'm still jealous of her because it could have been my daughter. It was her. My daughter had more life than she did. She was already going downhill. My daughter still had life. She was 12 years of age. But we see the faith of Jairus as well. We see the faith of Jairus because it said this, that they still went on and the daughter had died and they were weeping. You think of a funeral, weeping and crying. And Jesus said, hey, she's just asleep. And they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus, and he takes this dead girl by her hand and says, Arise. And they were all in amazement. You see a story of two daughters claimed here. You see a story of someone having no name and becoming somebody. Have you ever been forgotten by God? Have you try, ever been trying to find answers in anything and everything but God? You know, this tells us one thing before I close. God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. You may feel invisible here, but God who created you, you are created in the image of God. He knows your sufferings despite that good smile you have on your face. He knows what you're going through inside your mind despite your good athletic performances or your good grades. He knows that you're mad at him because the timing isn't right. You're not sure what to do, but you feel like God has paused on you, and he said, hold up a little bit. You may feel it's not working out the way you want, but let me tell you, you see the faith of Jairus, and you see this faith of the woman who had faith in Christ because it was no other option. Our time and God's time are different. But lastly, they had an object of faith. It was the faith in Christ. It was because, remember, Jesus wasn't unclean because he touched the woman and he touched the dead girl. That would have made him unclean, but he, he is God in flesh. He is the Savior of the world. He has came to redeem us. He can still redeem you. He can still say, hey, you're back in the game. Tag. Come on. Get up. Repent of your sin and come back. For those of you who do not feel like you're a nobody here, God knows your story. You could be the loudest person in the room, but still the loneliest in here. We see a story of two daughters here. But I want you to let you know this, this faith is not in myself. It wasn't her faith. It was the faith in the object of Jesus Christ, the only one that has power to res restore life and bring you back to life. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth upon him 
shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that no one's righteous and no, not one. No one understands that we've all gone astray. The Bible says that my heart is wicked and evil. Who can understand a heart? The Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a gift being offered that these people receive. There's a spiritual gift that is salvation. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, those who call upon me will be saved. That's what the Bible says. You may think, Jose, I'm, I'm, that's, good, that's good, good information. That's a good story. It doesn't affect me. Let me tell you, the Bible says it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It will penetrate to the depths of the soul, heart, and mind. Let me tell you, when you hear the word of God, it will impact you regardless how you feel it. Maybe not now. It will impact you. But if you're isolated, lonely, hurting, awaiting season, not knowing what to come, look at Jarius and look at that woman. Faith in Christ, regardless of time, regardless of situation, continue having your faith in Christ. Continue having your faith in our Lord and Savior, Christian. Continue holding your head up because our confidence is in our Lord and Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for us right quick. And after I pray, we will dismiss. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you for how you're working in our lives. I pray for the one who does not feel included at Sterling College. Spiritually, they're lost, decaying, dying, and without you, they'll go to hell. But with you, they'll have purpose in heaven and purpose in this life. I pray for the one that does not know Christ. They would say, will you remember me? But Father, more importantly, you place a name where there's no name. And when time isn't convenient for us, you're always there. You know what's ahead. Can we just simply today trust in you? In Christ, and we pray. Amen, amen.